Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Now, Jesus taught us, and here's the deal. Most pastors, and if you attended churches like I attended, and I started going to church late in life, but this is the way they dealt with the subject of giving. If you don't tithe, God's going to get you. You are a thief, you are a crook, and uh, God will put you in the hospital, and he will extract, you know, from, 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 from the hospital bill is going to be your tithe. And you won't give it to God easy, God will take it out that way. That's what they taught, and it's a little scary. <laughs> By the way, the devil will try to do stuff if you're not doing right. But I, I'm not going to say God's going to do all that. But, you know, I, I was trained to love God and give to God. But that's like trying to ride a bicycle with only one foot on the pedal. Jesus taught us otherwise. Jesus is a good pastor. How many of you agree? He said, don't just love the Lord. He said, you must, though, love the Lord with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. But the second commandment is equally important. You need to love others as yourself, meaning you got to deal with self in order for you to be a help to others. So you must not only invest in God, you must learn how to invest in yourself if you're going to pedal your way to the place God's called you and assigned you. Please love God, though. Please don't mishear me. But understand, it takes two principles to cover it all. He goes on to say, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. So my wife and I just, you know, we, we got an understanding. And we're not waiting for a big break. Or, or, you know what? We're going to work with what we have. So what we started to do now, again, we didn't have a lot. And uh, ministry, as you know, is expensive and wasn't really getting really a, a paycheck or anything like that. But what we started to do was put aside $25 every week. And we did it in an automatic fashion, so we didn't have to think about it, contemplate, because how many of you know you'll talk yourself out of it? You know, you say, I need this and I need that. And then I put it in a place it's hard to get to, meaning it would take at least three to four days if, if I wanted to get the money to make the withdrawal. So I was doing stuff online, so I couldn't go to the bank to take it out. Meaning that, I, you know, it, it, I, if I wanted it, I really had to be serious about getting it. And what we did, and, and by the way, it might have meant, you know what, instead of going to McDonald's, we had uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches that week. It, it might have meant that, you know what, I was going to wear that pair of shoes just a little bit longer. And, you know, you, those shoes can make it just a little bit longer. It might have meant, and, and I learned this from my wife, she might not have had the, the most expensive clothes, but if you, if you accessorize, somehow it just makes everything, everything all right. So my wife got all these accessories, it's accessorizing, looking good. You know, it, it may mean that you're in that Kia for a little longer than you expect before you get into that Beamer. But you see, and there's nothing wrong with the Beamer and the Beamer, as long as you can afford it. As long as you're not perpetrating. <laughs> Trying to pretend like you're something like you're not. Those types of vehicles ought to come out of a life that has a whole lot of cash. If you're living at 100% of your capacity driving a Beamer, you are poor. And you are lying to the world. You hear me? I'm ahead of myself, but you shall never, and we're going to see this in the scripture, you never live off 100% of your income. Never. If you are, you can't afford your lifestyle. Meaning you may need to move in with mama for a minute, 
Meaning you, you may have to rent out that basement for a year. I know it's uncomfortable and a little damp and dank, but I'll tell you something. The rest of your life can totally be changed because of that one year you spent living in the basement. It may mean you got to delay some things you think you deserve at this point in your life. You may still have to put it off a couple years. But if you do it, you'll begin to discover the fruit of the truth that we are discussing today. I began to gather my little $25 in an automatic, it was an ING Ing account. And then by the end of about nine months, I looked at it again and we had over $1,000. You know, in the past, you get in a jam. It's like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? But now I'm in a position, if something happens, if there's a bump in the road, I have some place to reach, somewhere to go. And, and actually, there's a level of confidence that comes because I had some days where I had to believe God for, for the, the baby formula. In fact, I'll tell you one day, I'm telling you the truth. I'm not proud of it, but the baby, I think David needed some baby formula. And, uh, you know, I'm the man of the house, and I'm the man of God, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm in ministry. You know? and I didn't have any money. So I got my clothes on and had a little bit of gas left in the car, and I went to the Safeway down the street. And by the way, God loves you and will do stuff in spite of you. And I was learning and and thank God for his goodness and his grace. So I was like, listen, Lord, I don't want to steal. I got to feed my baby boy. I said, I'm going to start selling blood or something, Jesus. Uh, you know, I'm going to take care of my family now. So I said, now, you're going to, God, you're going to just have to show yourself God. So I went to the Safeway. You know, I don't know. When you're feeling guilty, you feel like, you know, everyone knows what you're doing. I was pushing my cart, feeling like everyone's watching me, like everyone knows I don't have no money. I get to the little baby food place. I put it in the basket, trying to figure it out as I go to the cashier. I'm in line. The lady behind the register knows me. Hello, pastor. Oh, Jesus. I pull out my ATM card. I swipe it in the machine. I had a negative balance, not because I bounced a check, though, okay? Because the, uh, we call it the monthly fees at the account. So I knew I had a negative balance. I slid my card. It was accepted. <laughs> Telling you the truth. Not only was it accepted, I got cash back. Like I said, I'm not bright. I mean, I, I don't know if I did right or, or I, don't, I don't know. I paid it back eventually. Eventually. No, I paid it back. See, God will bless you and take care of you, you know, as you're learning. But I was like, God, there has to be a better way than me believing for a miracle. Walking down perspiring and nervous in Safeway with my cart. So I saw this scripture, whoever gathers little. I said, I got little, God. I got little down. I can do little. Some of y'all, y'all in the same place. He's like, I can do little. I can do little. <laughs> But let me tell you, when, when I looked and we had $1,000, I just walked a little straighter. Wasn't so worried about stuff in the same way. Wasn't wealthy, wasn't rich, but I was better. But how did I get better? By managing my little. Let's go back to Proverbs 6, 7 through 8. And we're going to continue to read it in the NIV. I think the NIV is just a little clearer here on this. Without having any chief officer or ruler, 
No one looking over your shoulder, making you do the right thing. Yet it, speaking of the ant, stores its provision in summer. Meaning he did not eat 100% of what he gathered. Learn from the tic-tac-brained ant. Hear me. You may have a moment of crisis, but may it just be a moment. You never intentionally try to live of 100% of your income. You are an accident going somewhere to happen. A train that's always operating at 100%. I mean, if he's doing it mile after mile, the conductor gets a little suspect. He starts wondering, is this, this train going to hold out? An airplane that, 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 that only goes at top mileage and, and, you know, it's always maxing itself out. If I got in my car and slammed my foot on the gas, you know, even though I'm just driving to the 7-Eleven, I just, you know, full speed every single time. Guess what? That car is not going to last very long. Eventually, something's going to break down. And scripture and, and, and wisdom is not... Listen, if I operated 100% of my physical strength all day long, I'd be dead by the end of the day. I'd literally die from exhaustion. But many of us were living at 100% because mom and them did it. Because that's what Uncle and Fred and them did. You need to go to the ant and get out of some of those circles you're in. Look at folks who are successful, watch what they did, and repeat it. A friend of mine owns an airplane, and he asked this pilot, tell me, you know, Explain to me how this plane flies. He says, nowadays, planes are virtually automatic. I really do very little in the airplane. You see, as long as the airplane has a right weight load and everything's functioning properly in the airplane, all that pilot has to do is let the plane hit a certain speed. And once it hits that speed on a runway, it'll automatically take off. The pilot doesn't have to pray about it. The pilot can worship Buddha, can worship ants, it can worship bugs. The, the, the pilot doesn't have to be at all spiritual. Matter of fact, it could be the most wicked man that's ever lived. In spite of how God feels about that person, the plane will fly. In fact, if it was any different, we'd all be quite nervous because I know some of the people on some of the flights that I've been on. And if flying depended on our righteousness and not law, I'd sweat every flight. Some things in life are based on laws. And when you discover the law, you can master the thing. And what's happening in the Proverbs here is the writer is, un is, is unveiling principles that if we use them, we can take off and fly every time. And what's wonderful is he set a low bar. He said, listen, I'm not saying those of you would a lot, but this is for those of you that just have a little. Proverbs 6, 7 through 8. Without having a chief officer or ruler, the ant stores its provision in summer and gathers its food at harvest, the ant invests in its own future. Why aren't you? The ant invests in herself. Why don't you? I've learned in business is a little different than in ministry. But in business, my attitude is if you don't invest in you, why should I? You know you better than I do. And if you don't see the value of investing in you, I'm going to trust your judgment and not invest either. So when you come from a business deal, I'm looking at you, saying, have you invested in yourself? Are you taking care of yourself? And the, 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 to the degree I think you're taking care of yourself is the degree I think you're going to take care of me. People are just that way. If you want to be successful, please invest in God. But secondly, you must invest in your future. Verse 9, God starts posing questions. He's trying 
to cause a light bulb to go off in the mind of the sluggard. Just how long will you lie there, O sluggard? How long are you going to wallow in that same mess, sleepwalking in that same circle? God gives each of us 24 hours a day. I don't care if you're, you're, you're black, if, if you're Chinese, if, if you're white, if, 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 if you're, you're Native American. I don't care if you're female, if you're male, if you're American or Brazilian. God gives each of us, even if you're sick or healthy, if you're alive, he gives each of us, no matter who you are, 24 hours each day. It's how we spend those 24 hours that really makes the differences between our outcomes. Then he follows up with a second question. Remember in the Garden of Eden, God started asking Adam questions. Where are you, Adam? God knew where Adam was. He wanted it to occur to Adam. Adam needed to see that he was in a mess. So he's posing a question again. He wants the, the sluggard person to recognize. When will you arise from your sleep? When will you wake up from your stupor and sleepwalk and, and stop doing the same things over and over and over again? How long are you going to stay in the same cycle? You see, all many of us are just a few course corrections away from landing on the moon. If you would just make a few shifts, it's not a major thing. It's just a little bit off. But the problem is when you're a little bit off over a long distance, it's way off. If you just make a few course corrections, it's not every, all, all 52 messages you hear uh, every Sunday this year. It's going to be those two or three that you get in your heart and your head, that you take and you apply, that's going to change your life. He says, when will you arise from your sleep? So what we did, and I'm just telling you what I know. I'm not telling you something I read in the book. I'm talking about what I've done in my life. So what we did is we started investing in, you know, our savings account. But then, you know, our family, you know, they'll send money for Christmas, and, and I was really glad about that, and, and, you know, instead of gifts sometimes. So when we get a little bit of money... We, we go, and, 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 and yeah, let, let me say this. When God blessed us, we would take a moment to celebrate it. In other words, maybe we go out to dinner, and at that time, the, our restaurant was uh, Denny's. Has anyone ever been to Denny's? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, maybe we got a raise, and it was a slight little thing. We go celebrate, and God wants us to celebrate. He wants us to be joyous. And, and as we said before, you know, the children of Israel, they had three major feasts that every person had to attend, and most of them were quite joyous. So God wants us to celebrate the good things. Sometimes we're depressed because we don't even acknowledge the good things and only acknowledge the bad things. So what we would do is if some great blessing came our way, we celebrated but lived the rest of the year like it didn't happen. So if I got a raise, even if it was a $50 raise, man, we go out and we do our Danny's thing, maybe even bring the boys. But live the rest of the year like it never happened. And then what would happen, we, we found a way to continue to give the 25, and then stuff was coming in. You see, when you start managing stuff well, God will start giving you stuff to manage. Within two years, we had, a, we had three months put away of expenses. In other words, if, if the church hated me, I could survive for three months. I had three months to find another job. But also at that time, any, anything over, let's say, let, let me see if I can explain this. If you have 10 bills, and let's say, and I know this is a ridiculous number, but it's an easy number, if all 10 bills cost $200 a month, what we started doing is paying nine bills the minimum, but when it came 
to the 10th bill. And usually, and by the way, we wanted to build confidence. So we wanted to be successful. Uh, you know, the more successful you are, the more confident you are. So we pick the small ones first and we pick on the small bills and get aggressive with this beat down the small bill and watch it fall down and sound like you're ready for that next bill. And we beat down the next bill. But what we would do is, you know, let's say if each bill, I don't know, uh, whatever the minimum was, we paid it. But then when it came to that 10th bill, maybe the minimum on that bill was $20, we would pay, you know, $50. And then over a matter of months, that bill is paid off. And then we take the, and by the way, we, we, we'd increase it if, if we could, but let's say it stayed at $50, we'd pay on that second bill, the $50 we used to pay on the 10th bill, and then we begin to aggressively pay that bill off, and it would kind of snowball. But you see, it's me managing little. You hear what I'm saying? So then after I pay off that, that second bill, we take the $50 that I used to pay the, the 10th bill and, and the, the $49 we used to pay on the second bill, and then we take the $99 and put it on the third bill. And all of a sudden, we're snowballing. We're seeing progress. We're moving forward. But what am I doing? I'm managing little. I'm not sitting on my hands. I'm not crying. I'm not complaining. Tell me, oh, God, why? No, 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 no. I'm working with what I have. And then not only that, I'm sleeping better because I have some money in savings. There's a bump in the road. I'm going to be okay. And then before long, you get out of debt. But while you're getting out of debt, you make certain principles. You, you lay out certain truths that are just going to be true for your family. Family, if we can't pay it off in 30 days, we're not going to buy it. I use the credit card like a check. And many of you, you know, you got to be careful about the credit. 20% interest? That's robbery. That should be illegal. I don't remember the name, and I tried to remember it between the two services, but I called my credit card company, and they had, it felt like a derogatory name for me, because she looked up my credit, and basically she was saying, you, yeah, you're listed as one of our bad customers. I what? I got to pay my bills all the time. She said, no, 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 let, let me explain. You're one of the customers we don't make any money from. The truth is, I make money from my credit cards. I get 2% cash back on everything I buy. They send me checks twice a year, and I have a, a, a no annual fee card, and we pay it off every month. And because of that discipline, I'm a bad customer. But you're right, I'm a bad customer. And I want you to become a bad customer to your credit card company. The point is, you have to learn to work with your little. And if you work with it over time, little over time can become and will become much. Don't panic because everything's not right today. Just start working today. Eventually, you'll get free and clear. He says, when will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little nap here, a little nap there, when God gives you small opportunities. He's talking about sleeping on opportunities. The ant is busy, and he's doing the things he needs to do when opportunity presents itself. But when it's winter, and it's too cold, and there are no more opportunities, he begins to use uh, the things he stored up in, in, in the good months in those bad times. Everyone's going to face storm and crisis. You'll eventually get a flat. Something will happen in your car. I'm not prophesying. I'm just telling you the way life is. If you're living at 100%, you're going to always be living in crisis because you're going to always have to figure out a way to fix that tire. Where, are, where am I going to get it from? But if you're living, here's the deal. My wife and I, we started, of course, we tithe. I mean, that's just something we do. And we have faith in the tithe, strong faith in the tithe. That God will open up the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing. We're not room enough to receive, et cetera. But my goal after God's tithe was to begin to tithe in myself. I know that sounds funny. But you see, the high priest received the tithe of the priest. And when I read the Bible, I found that I was a king and a priest. So I'd bring in a tithe to the, my priest or my pastor and, and, and for the advance of the kingdom. 
But I was like, Lord, you also have a work to do in my life, and I'm just as anointed. Just as I'm a king and priest under God. So my goal was to put 10% into the kingdom and then 10% into my future. It started with 25%. But today, please don't go and talk about me or say anything ugly. I'm saying this just to help you, and hopefully you don't take it wrong. But today, my wife and I, we give away every year between 25 and 30% of everything we earn in the year's course. But likewise, we put aside 25 to 30% of everything we make in a year's course. Don't hate. You'll get there too. You will get there too. But you see, one thing my wife and I made a commitment to, we will not live above our means. We always live beneath our means. Just because I can afford it doesn't mean I should have it. A lot of you, the more you get, the more you spend. God knows it, so he's not giving you no more. I don't have to spend everything I get. My goal in life is to live off of 10% of what I make and give away the 90%. And I believe I'm going to be able to reverse tide like that. Some of you really don't know what to think about what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is Bible. It can be done. But you just have to be faithful with little. Don't despise the small beginnings. Okay, let's finish up and we're through for the morning. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a what? Like a robber in in this translation. Poverty is not your friend. It's a thief. How many of y'all like thieves? It's a thief that comes to steal your potential, your peace, your joy, your sense of dignity and self-worth. The poverty comes to steal from you. I know some people made a religion out of poverty. I don't know what's wrong with them. They don't read the Bible. Because in my Bible, Jesus' first message in in Luke, I believe, chapter 4, he said, the anointing of God is upon me. And then he listed some things. I come to, to, to preach good news to the poor. Now, what's good news to the poor? You don't have to be poor anymore. That's good news to a poor person. If you learn what to do with a little, you can begin to fulfill what the anointing of God came on Christ to accomplish in your life. And poverty will come on you like a robber and want like an armed man. Saying if you keep sleeping on life's opportunity, you're going to wake up one day living life feeling that you're living behind a gunpoint or in front of a gunpoint. You ever feel like there's a gun right in the back of your back there or right in the back of your head? Bill collectors threatening, kids nagging. I need some shoes. I need some sneakers. They're making fun of me at school. You and your wife fighting. Now please, I'm not making fun of anyone in this room. I'm trying to make you think differently. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.